0: Audible.com is offering UCTV podcast listeners a free 30-day trial subscription and one free audiobook download. Just visit audibletrial.com slash UCTV to sign up. That's audibletrial.com slash UCTV. And thanks.
1: Good afternoon, everyone. My name is Frank Wu, and I'm the Chancellor and Dean of the University of California, Hastings College of the Law, the first law school of the American West. It's my pleasure this afternoon to be speaking with Lloyd Braun, class of 1983, founder of Berman Braun and a distinguished executive in uh, television and uh, media more generally. We will have an opportunity for questions and answers. So if you've ever wondered uh, about TV shows such as Desperate Housewives or Lost or Just Shoot Me or A Long List. This is the person uh, whose mind all of these sprang from. Lloyd, let me start with a question that perhaps you've heard before. Why can't you be more like Lloyd Braun? Which some of you may know was the question asked on the very popular Seinfeld television show of a character who, not by coincidence, shares your name i think he meant an unhappy end uh, working for george costanza's father selling computers and uh, as part of the serenity now movement if i have that right so uh, if you recall on the top rated show seinfeld that character uh, who once also worked for mayor uh, dinkins in new york city how did that
2: person come to share your name well actually he, 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 um, they had to reshoot part of that because they thought Dinkins was going to win that election. And when Giuliani won, they had to go back and reshoot uh, another scene and change and change the ending. Um, it was Lloyd Braun's fault that Dinkins lost. Yeah, you know it? what? I don't even remember. <laughs> I, it's been so long since I've seen them. Um, so um, I, uh, I used to represent Larry David, who um, is uh, a very close friend, has been a close friend of mine now for about 20 years. And uh, I have the pleasure of playing golf with him most every weekend, which is quite an experience. And uh, there's a period of time where he wasn't playing up to his full potential and he would want to quit. And one day he, uh, he really wanted to quit on, uh, I think on the 14th hole, I happen to be playing very well, and I had to give him some incentive to, to, to continue playing, so I offered a bet, and I said, well, how about, you know, I'll give you a stroke, a hole, or something, and if I win, if you win, at, you know, dinner for four anywhere in L.A., and, and, if, and uh, I mean, if I win, it's dinner for four in any way, and if you win, same thing, and he goes, well, what, what do I care if you pay for my dinner? because at that point he had made quite a bit of money and so i said so whatever you want he goes well i get to do whatever i want with you on the show i'm like fine because i'm never going to lose to him and uh I hit the ball out of bounds on the 18th hole, which is almost impossible to do if you ever see this golf course. I mean, if you tried to hit it out of bounds, you couldn't. And he beat me. And I figured, Larry forgets about things in about 20 minutes, but six months later, my phone rings in the office. I was still practicing law, and he says, "Uh, you know, um, remember the bet? No, what bet? He goes, you know, the bet. Yeah, I, I, we're shooting the show, and uh, I'm using your name, and uh, he's a very handsome man, and you're gonna love it. And anyway, to make a long story short, the reason it, you constantly hear Lloyd Braun, it's always Lloyd Braun, it's because every single time they do Lloyd Braun, he's like sticking it to me, <laughs> and right. and it's so that's why it's always like you know Lloyd Braun. It was never like Lloyd. It was never it was always Lloyd Braun. Right. So then the problem is that they loved the character and the writers fell in love with it so then they decided to do another one then they did a third one so now literally uh, i cannot it's particularly for some reason when i fly it the, the show is very popular with the tsa because whenever i show my license and i go they look at it they look at me and they go Really? And I go, yes. And then it's like, so I can bring anything on a plane. There you go. All right. <laughs>
1: well, that's that's a wonderful anecdote, and and it leads to my next question: How did you come to be Larry David's lawyer? You you graduated from UC
2: Hastings. You went into entertainment law. I didn't go into entertainment law right away. Um, I thought I would probably go into entertainment law. My father was a very very prominent music lawyer. Um, Um, in the uh in the 70s and 80s and he represented bob dylan and george harrison and have any of you seen the george harrison um hbo documentary which is quite unbelievable well i was watching it um when it came out and you know this there's a scene where they sign the settlement agreement and george is there and i'm like looking at this thing and i'm like what and it's like my father is next to George as they're signing the the settlement agreement. So I grew up in that, in that world. Um, it was very tough to get a job in the entertainment business then, um, even with connections, and I did have connections. But most entertainment law firms do not hire at a law school. And my father actually said to me that he thought I would be far better off if I could get some general experience in a big firm um, corporate experience. And I did that. I ended up going to a firm called Stricken, and Strick and Levan, LeVam um, for a couple of years as a corporate lawyer, which I thought, which turns out to have been, I think, a, a wonderful thing to do. And then after two years, I felt that maybe now the time is right. And I ended up applying to this small boutique firm that had rejected me twice already, which is a, a lesson I say to my kids all the time. Um, and because you just cannot you know, you can't let any of it get under your skin. And the third time I called, it so happened that that very day, they had to let go of one of their young associates who they had just hired, who they found out had falsified his resume. And I think they like said, ah, oh, what the hell? <laughs> we'll give this guy a chance. And I had my chance. And it so happened that the opening was in the... Um, in the television movie area, I thought that I would probably gravitate to music because I, 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 I love music, I grew up in it. Um, and, you know, this is the thing that I also say all the time to kids is there's, there's so much serendipity. You, you, know, you can never think that you're going to plan your career. Uh, on a, it, it just doesn't happen like that. And I ended up in the television and, and, uh, and, and movie area and uh, my very first first task was one of the firm's clients was playboy and I, they, gave, they had gave the young associate the task of having to look at all of the x-rated videos that playboy was creating because at that point in time, there were you know the, the laws were, were quite different, and they had to. There were certain things that you could not show in these videos. No longer the case, and I am told by people at my office, and uh, I I would spend hours on end billing my time. Reviewing these videos from beginning to end and senior partners would be walking into the conference room and the thing would be on television and I'm like sitting there with a legal pad and I'm like like this has gotta be destroying my brain. I can't cannot believe this is what I'm doing out of law school. Um, but that's we're still proud of you. What well, <laughs> well that 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 that's how I got my start.
1: <laughs> and other than Playboy, what other clientele uh, did you uh, work
2: with? Eventually Uh, Larry David and and well what what? happened was I um, I did I did I did the firm's work which is what you do as a young associate and the firm represented companies like uh, Dick Clark and directors like John Landis Um, and so uh, you would uh, you would start being trained on um, uh, to review agreements, and I'd mark them up, and I'd have them brought back to me with you know more red ink than you've ever seen in your life, and you you start to you sort of just start to develop skills um, around. See, it's one thing to sit in a contracts class and hear all you know to, to learn the law as it's presented to you in contracts. It's another thing entirely to be to then be sitting with a contract. And actually learn how to analyze it and where the holes are and this and that. And so that's, that became one big piece of my training. But the other was I started to um, get to know and go out with um, other people my age in, my, in the business. And eventually you stopped being a lawyer. When did that happen? About 10 years in. Um, I had developed a pretty great practice because... Those, fr- those relationships of mine started to get um powerful in the business and my co- and my clients started to all of a sudden have create big hit shows and uh I was representing the, the creators of shows like Roseanne and Grace Under Fire and Seinfeld and all of these shows, and then I would sign directors that um, were in their early 30s that were starting to make all sorts of movies, and then you know somebody like Cher needed a lawyer, and I, I was friends with Cher's business manager, again, somebody my age. And I ended up representing Cher. That was a panic. Um, <laughs> who I adored, still adore. I mean, really, actually, a, a really great lady. And um, and so you, 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 I, my practice had really grown. But um, I had always, I never felt, I always loved, I always enjoyed being a lawyer. There was never a part. There wasn't a time where I said, I don't want to do this anymore. But I felt that I really did want to... I wanted to build a business. I wanted to... um, I did not want to only represent talent. I liked representing talent, but I wanted to to build something tangible.
1: So how did you make that jump? Many lawyers who do this type of work aspire to move over to the business or creative side. Well,
2: serendipity again. Um, I had... um, I had a friend who was uh, an agent. I had had at that point in my career be getting a lot of my business from one specific agency that was throwing me a ton of business. And another agency, which was the biggest agency in town at the time called CAA, uh, had an agent there that wanted to start doing stuff with me. And he introduced me to somebody else in his agency, actually a guy named Michael Rosenfeld, who's now a very close friend of mine. And Michael comes in to see me one day and says, listen, I would really love to do something with you, but, you know, you do all your business with this other agency. And in the entertainment business, agents are always worried about, you know, th- there's, everything's trust. And so clients leave agents all the time. And what an agent wants on top of a lawyer who's really good and knows what they're doing is a lawyer that isn't going, that's going to protect them and not, in, in some way, shape, or form, direct their client somewhere else. So you, you and, weren't yourself ever an agent. No. You worked with the agents. I worked you with the worked agents, right. and I became very close with the agents. So this guy, Michael Rosenfeld, decided you know what, I'll, I'll give you the next client I have that needs a lawyer, I'm going to send to you. And then he did, a guy named Paul Sims, who was writing on a show called The Larry Sanders Show. You guys remember The Larry Sanders Show? And uh, <clears throat> turns out that Brad Gray and Brilstein Gray, who produced The Larry Sanders Show, wanted to make a huge deal with Paul Sims. I represented Paul Sims in the deal, and I dealt with Brad Gray, who was the principal of Brillstein Gray, We hit it off in the negotiation. He was on the other side of the negotiation. I've become very good friends. I've had more opportunities come to me from people who were on the other side of negotiations, which is another whole thing to talk about. Um, And when the deal was done, Brad took me to lunch and asked me if I wanted to come over there and run his company because he had just made a huge deal with ABC to create a television studio at at his management company that um, he was that was going to create television shows and Brad thought I could run that and I felt this was sort of the opportunity that I always thought about in terms of creating an asset I was nervous about leaving my practice um, because my father had left his practice at the absolute peak of his practice and, and his job didn't work out he went to run a record company and it only lasted a year and you know, once you give up your clients, you don't get them back. And you just don't. And so you have to really be sure that this is something that you want to do. And uh, I decided to do it. And we had a lot of success um, at that company. We, we did, uh, and what I did is I, I had had all these great clients who I had made relationships with. I knew who the most talented of them were. And so I made deals with all of those clients to come over into, my, into the new company. Right. Well, there's a, a great list of shows
1: that uh, you've uh, worked on. Desperate Housewives, Grey's Anatomy, Boston Legal, The Bachelor, a few you've mentioned, The Sopranos, Just Shoot Me, News Radio. Uh, what type of television do you like to watch? Hmm.
2: Well, I find... Um, I find my taste has gotten narrower and narrower. Quite honestly, um, I'm not watching a ton of network show, a, a ton of network stuff anymore. Um, when I get home from work, quite honestly, I, I very frequently gravitate to either uh, ESPN or CNN or something like that. It wasn't until my kids forced me to go on Netflix two or three years ago that, um, and the, the show that got me hooked. That changed my television, ha- my my habits completely was Downton Abbey, and um, I, I didn't uh, think you would say that. But uh. let me tell you something. It's uh, I, def- I, I there is no guy that can honestly tell me they don't like Downton Abbey. Okay, it's everyone was telling me how great it was, and uh, so and I know my wife really wanted to see it so. We went back, and so we went we went on Netflix, and we watched it. And it, it, the next thing we knew, we were, like, watching... We, we watched the whole first season in, in like, two nights.
1: Uh, you know, I, I'm told and that this is a new
2: way to watch well, TV. It, it, I, I, I was talking to the head of uh, Fox yesterday about this. It, it, television is completely changing. And the habits of the consumer have already changed. The problem is the business... Is going to take much longer to catch up, which is going to pose some enormous problems for the television business, in my, in my opinion. And but, you mean the on-demand viewing? Well, no, no, the, the problem is that the way we all are now consuming, most of us are consuming television, is we hear, we hear Breaking Bad is great, or Mad Men's great, or Walking Dead is great, or Downton Abbey's great, or uh, The Wire's great. And in the past, you'd hear that. What were you going to do? go out and buy the DVD? No. Well, now it's so easy. You go back, you go on Netflix, you watch the pilot and the first three episodes or whatever, you're hooked. And it's like reading a book. You don't watch anything else until, I just finished Dexter. I finally caught up on Dexter. Okay. You, you watch it all the way through, I, it's five seasons, six seasons—you're like a madman, and, and it, literally finishing a book. You know, how many of us read two books, three books at once? Mostly no. Then you finish it. And it's like, okay, what's next? So I went from *Downton Abbey* to *Mad Men* to *Walking Dead*, which I watched without my wife, um, to uh, uh, *Dexter*. And my wife and I have the ones we watch together. And then I have like my Walking Dead, I'll watch that alone, or Game of Thrones. Like I, I have a whole bunch to watch when I f- go to New York in a couple of days. I'll, I'll watch them on the plane. And that's how we're watching television. What we're not doing is, is the way I grew up was you would turn on the television and you would surf, and you would find something you like, and you'd, you know, oh, that looks interesting, I'll watch that. Well, th- there's no reason to do that anymore because you're already hooked on something. So when you have that free time, it's like, ooh, you know what? We have time to watch a Dexter before we go out. <laughs> Let's do that. And, that's, and that's, what, that, that's how it's all evolving right now. How does that change the business end? Because the way the networks make their money, for the most part, has been through sales. Of now the, advertising. Sales of advertising. Now Now they also are getting some retransmission fees. But that's not an enormous amount of money yet. It's all been about sales revenue, it's about about selling ads to advertisers. The problem is that the advertisers pay for the effectively for the live rating and now the live plus 3 which is up, you know, if you watch it within 3 days on the DVR it counts. That number is getting smaller and smaller and smaller because most people are not watching the shows in that window of time. They're watching them either later on on the DVR or they're watching them as I just talked about. So the, that, that pool of money, whereas the, the advertisers have still been paying full freight or premium amounts of money for that rating, that rating is getting so small that there, it, something's going to break. Meanwhile, all these other people who are watching it the way I'm watching it the networks and the studios, they're not making a lot of money from that yet. They haven't figured out how to monetize that in the same kind of way. And and there's fights about who gets that money, because very frequently uh, you look at a show like Modern Family on, a, on ABC, that show's owned by Fox. So, Or you look at Homeland on Showtime, that show is owned by Fox. So if now when, you know, if you're going to have uh, the show go on iTunes. who gets the money fox or or uh, or Showtime Fox or abc and or who gets the Netflix money who gets and it 's like the wild west and the, and then you 've got the amount of money that's that that, that they 're that they're getting paid they don 't feel it 's enough and so all of these things have to be rethought but in the meantime what's happening is no one really wants to confront those issues because they are so, sometimes it's like well you know what the next guy will worry about this 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 is like it's so sticky that um the bit and because the advertisers are still paying the money it's like every year there's an upfront in april Um, In May, I'm sorry. And the the advertisers, over the course of two weeks, the networks make a huge amount of their money for the year. And every year, the advertisers have anted up. And the networks are like, oh, my God, thank God, we made it through another year. (laughs) Oh, thank God. What if
1: it's impossible to monetize in a way that is sustainable. Here, here's what I mean. Well, I don't believe that's ever going to be the case. But Well, let, let's solve it right right here. Let's figure this mm-hmm. out. If, if you're a viewer, we're now accustomed to everything being free or so cheap that we may not be willing to pay, no, you'll for, the, pay. for the quality. Really? Really? Yeah, you'll pay. Well, you'll absolutely pay. Uh, but I won't notice because I'm paying Netflix the monthly fee. You are, you're paying Netflix. Right. Uh, but then what happens is... Uh, There are uh, so many uh, forms of media that can be produced for such low cost.
2: You just have to look at YouTube. Yep. No, but but I disagree with you on that. All right. Um, Yeah, there's a ton of stuff that can be paid at low cost. Most of it's crap. That's right, and if you, you know, I say but, this but we, to my kids. But still watch it. I, I, I had a very interesting. No, we don't. No, you don't. You don't. You, the, the video you are not watching uh, Turkish folk dancers, uh, it, it, okay? We're, we're Dancing watching, on their the, head. Yeah,
1: we're watching. You're not. The, the baby
2: uh, belch, and uh, they get a million You're, hits. They sell T-shirts. You know. That, that, first of all, no one's making money from that at all. No. All right. There's no business model around those around that stuff. Um. People are always going to want premium content. Now, one of the things you notice when you go on Netflix to watch these shows is they don't have all the seasons. They may have one or two. Then it's like, uh, what do I do? You know what you do? You go to Apple Television and you suck it up and you pay the $25 to get the third season or the fourth season or the fifth season. Now, that may be too much for some people. Some of it's too much. Maybe some of it's not enough. But I had a very interesting conversation with my nephew about two months ago about uh, Breaking Bad. And uh, we were together, and Breaking Bad was premiering that night. And by the way, that's one of the best shows I've ever seen, for those of you who have not watched Breaking Bad. Go back to Netflix, and you've got to watch it. And I was racing back to, uh, to watch the premiere that night. And my nephew says, Well, just watch it online. I'm like, What do you mean watch it online? I go, You're stealing it? And he goes, Yeah, I'm not stealing it. No, I'm not stealing it, but it's online. I said, There it is. I said, yeah, I Search said, for it. I said, Well, where are you getting it? And he named like two or three sites that, that have it. And I said, Well, you're stealing it. He goes, No, I'm not stealing. I said, y- You're stealing it. Okay, you are. I said, So, here's my question for you okay if everybody did that you are never going to be able to watch shows like this anymore they're going to be gone no one's going to be able to make them and that's that's the bottom line but everyone figures someone else will pay for it. now it's the problem that i believe people will pay you know louis ck I did a very interesting thing about a year ago. He, um, he, did a, um, he, he, he recorded his stand-up, and he put it on his website. And I think, I, I may be wrong about this, so if I am, I'm sorry. But I believe that um, he said, this is what you should pay for this. But you didn't have to. And you know this is what the cost of it was, et cetera, et cetera. And people paid. It's I don't I think everybody realizes that um, if you get something of value, it's like the basic contracts principle. You need consideration for there to be a contract, right? Well, the consideration maybe you're watching ads. You are paying for it if you're watching ads, um, or it may be some other type of consideration. But ultimately, you know. You you have to pay for it, and um, you know John Stewart and Bill O'Reilly just had this big event that many of you may have seen, right? How many of you paid five dollars to watch that? One person. Okay, they made a mint. Um, And what's going to happen is more and more. What isn't going to happen, I believe. Is I think what I think one of the big stress points is going to be people paying 150 dollars a month for cable or satellite to get 600 channels where you watch three of them, and and you can get a lot of that on the internet, but when you know when you're getting. You know, when, when, when you when you get your Apple TV or your Samsung TV in a year or two, and you take it out of the box and you plug it in, and instead of getting the Direct TV cable guide or the or the um, or the Comcast or Time Warner cable guide, you get apps on the screen that look just like the apps on your phone or your iPad. And there's the ESPN app, and there's the AMC app, and there's all these apps and well, I want oh, AMC, what's that? Well, you can subscribe to AMC and you'll get Walking Dead and Breaking Bad or all their shows, or you can just subscribe to the show and it'll be a direct relationship with you and the consumer. And for $2 a month, you're going to get all the AMC shows in HD quality on your big TV. Guess what? People are going to do that. But that's going to be a, com- that's completely different than 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 what's happening now. And that but and for that to happen, by the way, it's like Armageddon on all the D. <laughs> it, it, it's like what has to happen for the business to evolve to the place where it works as simply as I just laid out. I, 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 I can't even think about it. Thank God it's not going to be my responsibility to figure out.
1: So you're saying there'll be the same amount of revenue, it will just be split up very differently among the different companies. I
2: don't know if it'll be the same amount of revenue. I think ultimately there may be a lot more revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's going to be you know first of all the media business has to learn from the record business which is what you can't do is say well i'm just not going to let the the consumer have it in this format because you know that was the problem is they were so nervous about about digital destroying the record business and the cd business that there was never an alternative until until really basically it was too late and you've got to be able to you can't stand in the way of technology. It, you know, it, it, it's people are going to be are, are going to want to consume all this stuff on every platform wherever they are. We should all, quite honestly, you should all be able to have the giant game right now on your iPhone if you want it. You should be. It could happen. There's no reason why, why isn't it isn't happening. Because the baseball rights only went to here, and the, these, these don't have the rights. and it, It's it's all deal-making. That's, that's, that's why you can't get it right now. But the truth of the matter is, you're a huge audience that could be watching the, the, the giant game or the A's game or whatever it is on your device right now, and you're not. Ultimately, you're going to be able to, 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 to do this to what consume content anywhere and there's going to be a lot of different ways to pay for it some of it will be with advertising you know i play words for w- words with friends okay and it has advertising and it's like oh i finally got sick of it i paid get rid of the ads so it, it, there'll be some types of, and sometimes you'll say no I'll, I'll sit through the ads i don't want to pay or I don't want to deal with the ads. Oh, I want I want the HD. I want the incredible HD quality. You know, maybe you'll pay more for it. You do. You pay more right now from Apple TV if you want HD than if you don't want HD. So there's going to be a lot of different... You're going to have a lot of choices of what to do.
1: And this, perhaps, is what led you to move over to Yahoo
2: to run all of their media. When did that happen? Well, that happened, um, that happened after I left ABC. And... Um, I had a, uh, I had to figure out what the next chapter of my career w- was going to be, um, and I had a very, uh, I had a very unusual uh, time uh, at ABC towards the end because uh, my entire, uh, my my entire, all my, my whole executive team was let go as our shows were about to go on the air. And then they, and then a whole bunch of them came, became monster hits. So it was one of these very unusual, kind of crazy times. Well, and, let's pause there
1: for a moment. What, what type of show did you like to make?
2: Well, but I, I always, I liked big swings, and so lost represented the kind of show i wanted to make i mean lost was lost was my sort of baby i mean i came up with the idea for the
1: end but that's all right so so tell us about lost which was your idea what was the secret of lost what you mean the secret to of the island a, a, at the beginning now I, I know it changed over time, and uh, well, the finale may have been a little ambiguous, but when you came up with
2: the idea well I, 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 the first idea? of all I, 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 I only came up with um, you know the, the we got i don 't I don't create any of these shows. really brilliant writers create these shows with a handful of them. I came up with the core concept um so with lost i happen to be in hawaii and uh and we were staying at this beautiful hotel and uh we were getting ready for dinner and everyone was running late my wife and four kids so i went to the beach to go to the sunset um i got a drink and i i had just seen the movie castaway the night before and i was sort of staring at the beach like wondering how could you do a series about castaway, and you couldn't because no one would want to watch a series about a one guy in a volleyball. <laughs> and, and then the kind of a, then the thought it, you said, well, what if what if I did? It was like Survivor. It was like you, a whole bunch of random people were together and they were in a plane, and the plane crashed on an island, and it became like Lord of the Flies, and they had to like form a society and figure out how to get off the island. And and I had this title from a couple of years earlier called Lost, from an old Conan O'Brien show. Conan O'Brien had produced a reality show called Lost where they they took people and they put them somewhere in the world. They didn't know where they were and they had to get back home. And I remember watching, seeing promos for this thing, for the show called Lost, and it was like, God, that's the best name for a show ever. I can't believe, can't believe I didn't think of that title for something. And when the show was canceled i said oh i'm going to use that title one day so when i came up with this show in hawaii i said oh and i can use my 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 lost title and that's what i had now j.j abrams and damon lindelof came up with there's something wrong with the island and they came up with the flashbacks and uh by the way just as a quick anecdote um, somebody from Disney came to my office uh, who I hadn't seen in nine years who had worked very close with me on the pilot from Lost. I had not seen him since I left, and he had saved for me the hatch. Do you guys know the hatch? I have the hatch in my office. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> it's very cool. Um, and so um, the island, when there's something wrong with the island, it was going to be an experimental Island that the military is using for experiments, and that's why the polar bear was there and the pilot, and all this other kind of stuff. But what happens is, as the show goes many, many years, you know, writers have to like rethink some of these things because, you know, to get six, seven years out of eight years out of some of these concepts, some of these concepts are not made. To live that long, I mean, maybe they're three. I mean, Damon, I know, did not want to do that show more than I think four years, five years. But it was such a big hit, and the network needed it so badly that they, uh, you know, they, that they got into time travel and all this other stuff, and so it 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 gets tricky. So uh,
1: you helped develop Lost, uh, but then you said everyone was let go from ABC. Yeah, we were all fired. <laughs>
2: But again... Before Lost went on the air, so so they didn't know. After we made it, and before, you know, we had made Grey's Anatomy, Housewives, all those shows. Oh, Siri just went off. (laughs) Um, Technology. So we had made all those shows, but for a whole bunch of reasons that uh, I won't bore you with, um, the network had not had been... you know had been doing poorly for many 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 years ever since who wants the whole who wants to be a millionaire uh, time and we all knew they were probably going to make a a, a change. Uh, Lost was not a cheap pilot to make? Nope it was um, I think it was about 13 million dollars which was the most expensive pilot ever made however I will tell you that there was less risk on that pilot than any pilot we made that year because it's not about and I say this all the time it's not about what these things cost it's what what is your um, what's your P&L look like on the show so with Lost for example because we had made it as a two hour you know most of the time when you make a a one hour pilot if it does not get on the air you could spend six million dollars on a pilot seven million dollars and it's gone you never air it they just write the money off. Well, Lost, because we made it as a two-hour, if it did not get on the air, it was going to be aired as a movie. So we had to have an alternative ending. Um, what was the alternative ending? I didn't know there was know an alternative something? ending. You know something? There really wasn't one. <laughs> 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 All right. That, not a very good one. There was supposed to be, but... I wasn't there to finish it, and there really wasn't one. And it ended up going on the air, so it didn't matter. But so they were able to sell it internationally. Uh, We had big tax credits from Hawaii. And so the downside risk of loss was actually um, much less than any of the other busted pilots that, that we would have had that year. And so it's not about what you spend I mean and you never want to spend money to spend money but it's about how have you covered your downside if this thing doesn't go forward if it's not a hit and that's I think really the proper analysis
1: so tell us about this company Berman Braun what, what do you
2: produce now so we we we're in three areas um, television movies and digital uh, To give it, you know, when we started the company, we were mostly television. Uh, And most television companies like ours in town maybe have five, six, seven people. We have 120 people right now. And about eight or nine do television and movies. Everything else is digital. And so we have a great television and movie business, but... It's our digital business now, and it, it, that is really a, the, a big engine for the company. And what we're doing, quite honestly, is exactly what we wanted to do at Yahoo. Um, we've partnered with the big portals, so MSN and AOL. Ironically, we have not partnered with Yahoo. And um, and we, we've used their massive distribution, which they still have, so they 're still but they weren 't able to create these sort of big next generation website brands that um, that really used all of the sort of programming tools and design elements and everything else that really you could you could bring to the table now plus they were complete they 're completely online centric not focused on mobile and other things and we I ended up hiring. Probably have about 25 people that I had at Yahoo, and then we've obviously hired many more beyond that. Where we create, for instance, um, for MSN, we have uh, a, a site called Wonderwall, which is the celebrity news site on on MSN. Um, that site did a billion page views last month. So, when you say that that's your site, you create all the content. No, we create everything. We're like the whole thing. Think of it like Pixar. Right. We we design it we build it we operate it we have our own engineers our own product people our own designers our own editors so all, all the it. technology too. everything after we, we we built it on our platform everything all the portal does is there a distribution pipe the way abc is a distribution pipe for modern family which is produced completely by fox so think of us like Fox we're we're and no company has ever done anything like that and they, by the way they still don't we're the only company that does that right now and so we've got about ten of these now um, and we're going to do five more next year and um, and we've gone into a whole bunch of different categories uh, women's lifestyle pets men's weather uh, um latino um on and on and uh we we uh, the revenue is mostly display advertising but not only display advertising we're going to monetize the, the these sites in all sorts of other, in, in all sorts of different ways and then with many of them we are leveraging our television business at the same time so for example we're partners with do you know the Mythbusters, Jamie Heinemann and Adam Savage so we're partners with those guys and we're doing three new shows with them for Discovery and we have a site called Tested that they're now part of and all of this is going to be wrapped together in sort of one big brand and that's where it's all going Is it's all going to be cross platform um, it's not just going to be a television show or website it's going to be a brand that lives across everything and i say to friends of mine who make television shows now you know you're not making a television show you're overseeing a brand that brand is going to be exploited in on televisions on ipads on smartphones it's going to look different on a lot of these platforms but you know these are you know (sighs) it's a whole evolution to get to that place. It's not like you snap your fingers and all of a sudden it happens. It, it, it's, there's, there's, people have to get used to it on, creatively. The business deals have to be figured out. I mean, it's just, it's hard.
1: Right, well, it, it sounds like revolutionary change. Uh, we'll open up for questions mm-hmm. in just a moment. Uh, let me uh, pick a bone with you though. There are a lot of television shows about lawyers, and you were involved with Boston Legal. Why are the TV shows about lawyers so unrealistic and uh, present an image that makes the practice of law look alluring and wonderful? Because right? they,
2: have be, they have to be interesting. <laughs> it, it, it's, I mean, there's been every kind of law show imaginable. And no one does legal research.
1: No, no one uh, reviews documents. It's fast cars, uh, witty talk. Everyone has an affair with everyone in the office. Yeah, I know. They get a case on Monday. They
2: try it on Friday. I know. I know. It's true. Um, that, that was not what you you're You know what? You, you, would, you rather we, would you rather we do it the other way? <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I think, you know, cops have the same complaint. It, 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 it's. Um, I'll tell you. If you want to see a a, a a series that is a law show, that is dead real. Has anyone seen The Staircase? Never heard of it. Okay. So this should be this should be an assignment that all the law students get. <laughs> the staircase. Um, it's the staircase. It's either six or eight episodes. I think it's on Netflix. Does anyone remember the Michael Peterson case, where Michael Peterson was accused of murdering his wife? Yes. Okay, so, so somehow they got a film crew from, um, the I I, may have, I don't know from the moment he was arrested or before he was arrested, and they are following Michael Peterson and Scott, the defense Scott team. Michael Peterson. I think. No, no, no. It's Michael Peterson. It's Michael. Um, it's not. Hmm? No, it's not Drew Peterson. Well, a a, a, a
1: a real a real defense. Maybe it's well, not Michael Peterson. Well, Maybe it's one, one of many but he's,
2: accused. It's the of real parents. guy. By the way, I'm watching the first epi- two episode. I'm like, this can't be the real guy. This, these cannot be the real lawyers. And, and I went online. It's, it's real. Oh, it's real. <laughs> and it's real. And you're following the defense team through what is the craziest case. And it's completely captivating do not go online though and read about this because after you watch this series you'll go online but you cannot do this until you watch it and then you see what's happened since it ended and it's like you have got to be kidding me because there's more and it's all real but that means it could be done. You We've, could do it. We have looked real, at how to do show. It. We have looked at actually how to do something like the staircase. But you, it is is—it's um, a miracle when you find a case like that. That is that interesting. And by the way, they didn't know because they were, they were shooting this thing in real time. And when you see the stuff that happens along this journey, it's like, are you kidding me? And it happens, like, during, like, they find the murder weapon, like, at a certain moment in time. It's like, this cannot be. And it's real. <laughs> It, All right. It's like we, we will check it out. You will, I'm telling you, it's great. It's it's actually it's great television.
1: So uh, let me open uh, the floor for questions from our faculty and students and graduates. There's so many people uh, who have learned quite a bit about not just your career but about uh, modern media. So uh, please do feel free to come up to the microphone uh, that is uh, to my right, your left, uh, and we would welcome some questions. It's a wonderful opportunity. Unlike your professors, Lloyd Braun will actually answer your question. Really? They don't answer the questions? They, they, they do from time to time.
2: So I'm wondering with all this change that you're describing, and I'm not sure you can answer this question, but I'll ask it anyway, is the entertainment getting better, however you might define better? I actually think it is getting better. Um, I think there's more. There are more terrific. I, I would say yes in television. I would. I would say yes online. I would say no in movies. <laughs> <laughs> movies. Um, well, I'll give you my theory on, on, on Well, first, let's start with television. Um, with the explosion of cable networks and the need for cable networks to have their own signature programming because the only way the cable networks are going to get um, the kind of fees that they want to get from, um, from the uh, cable providers, they have, have, they have to have must-have programming. That's what they all learned. That's what the Sopranos taught everybody. And so they have to, they have to, they have to create some must-see original stuff. Then what happened was there's so many cable networks that the network, in the, you know, when the networks were there, the shows were really broad because they had to, they had to um, appeal to, you know, they wanted families to watch together. I remember even when I was at ABC in the beginning, we, we would talk about that. No one would ever think about that now. No families watched this stuff together. <laughs> but, when stuff, so, but, but when it got narrower... You could have someone like AMC do a period piece about advertising in the 1950s, a concept which in a million years would never have gotten on a network because it was too narrow. And by the way, had it gone on a network, it would have failed. But on AMC, where you don't have to have, you know, 15 million people to watch it, it could thrive. And the quality because it was narrow and specific and ha- has risen. And that's been true in you know Walking Dead is a zombie show. But it's great. It's it's absolutely great. And Breaking Bad, a show about a meth about a teacher who turns who then is 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 a meth dealer. And it's like in a million. Who who makes a show like that? Um, and so, I really believe that Homeland. I mean, I mean, I cannot remember there being more terrific shows um, at, at any moment in time. Uh, and online, uh, as the 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 people who really know the, how to make content. Um, learn how to make it online more cheaply and effectively and YouTube's doing a, a terrific job with these premium channels now that they have the quality there is going to get better and better. Problem with movies is that the only people going to the theater for the most part are kids. And so the studios believe that the only you know that they now survive on big blockbusters that you can do two or three sequels on that you know the kids are going to go to and the story and the characters mean next to nothing so it's about transformers and stuff like that and those movies are 250 300 million dollars and you know they want to be able to make two or three of them and that's those are like the big ten pole movies and because the movie business has gotten so challenging f- far fewer movies are being made each year because they, they pool their resources and they make a big Transformers movie or they make a big Batman movie and that's those are the kinds of movies that are getting made it's not the 40 or 50 million dollar You know, movies like It's Complicated which is like a movie from my generation those movies never get made anymore And when you have a movie like... Did anyone see the movie Arbitrage? Has anyone even heard of it? The Richard Gere movie that came out? That movie was released... The day it was released, you could also get it on demand on DirecTV. Okay? By the way, it was a pretty good movie. I watched it. It was a pretty good movie. And it was like... so. I think the movie business is really going to go through a huge transformation, because I don't believe people are going to keep going to theaters. Because the experience at home is getting so good that, um, and you don't have to, now yes, people like to have a community experience. I hate having a community experience. Now, people, people like to have a community experience, and yes, there's a place for that, but You know what people also like? They like to watch it on their 55-inch TV, which now costs under $1,000. And you can put it on pause to go get some ice cream, or you can go to the bathroom, or I got too tired, let's watch the rest tomorrow. And you know what? You're going to start seeing, I'll bet anything, that you're going to see in the next two or three years, all of a sudden, someone's going to make a deal with uh, Netflix. And Netflix is going to have an original movie. That they're going to open—it's going to open on television. It's a movie, but it's not going to be in the theaters. It's going to open on Netflix or it's going to open on Amazon. And you know what? You're going to pay forty dollars the opening weekend to watch this movie. And guess what? If four of you watch, go are watching the movie, it's less expensive than if you all went to the theater in a better experience. And the second weekend will cost you twenty dollars for the same movie. And the third weekend will be ten bucks. And then the fourth weekend, it's free. And it's, just on, it's on Netflix. And it's going to be stuff like that. So, um, and when it gets to that point, I think the pendulum will shift again and you'll see a m- more diversity in movies. People will again start making movies. It, the movies will start getting sliced up the way television is now with cable companies. And, you know, you, the movies will improve. But right now, I'm embarrassed to tell you the last time I went to a movie theater. People in my office make fun of me constantly. <laughs> Maybe it was Avatar. No, so
1: it, was, it was after Avatar. What advice do you have for the students here? What, what did you learn in law school that you're still using? How would they
2: become you if they wanted to? Well, you don't want that. <laughs> I got a lot of issues. Um, um, how? First of all, you don't want to become anybody you want to become yourself and um you know you you there's no one size fits all um answer to this question um i think that you all know the basics of working hard and all of these other things um i'll tell you that when when We hire people, um, and this, I believe, was true when I was in my law firm and and when I was a young associate. It was really interesting to see the people who made it and those that didn't. The people that I knew, actually, and I don't think the professors in this room are going to love what I have to say right now. Some of the people I knew that had the highest GPAs And the highest board scores were terrible lawyers. And obviously I knew knew a lot of super bright people that were great lawyers. But I mean the people that were... and, and, And why was that? Well, because that alone does not make you a great lawyer. That will open up a ton of doors for you that otherwise are not open. So as I say to my own kids, the better your grades, the more opportunities you're gonna have. The worse your grades, the worse your school, the fewer opportunities you're gonna have. Doesn't mean that you're still not gonna have a great opportunity, it's just gonna be harder for you. But if you're a genius, but you can't look somebody in the eye and have a normal conversation with them, if you don't know how to talk to a client, if you're never on time, if you don't return your phone calls if you're you know you're going to fail if you don't have emotional intelligence you can't get along with people um, you're overly political these quali- you know these are the things that i've seen sink more people than anything else i i i, I have been amazed sometimes at how You know, we will have people come in the company and you get a sense they have a sense of entitlement for one reason or another. Those people won't last two weeks.
1: Right, right. Not two weeks. Great advice. Uh, Last question. We have about 30 seconds. Favorite TV show of all time? God.
2: Favorite TV show of all time? god that's a hard question i don't know that i can answer it objectively but i would have to say the first season of lost for me but it's so personal that i i I can't um I, i can't honestly say that i can answer it um objectively it's
1: the magic of the island. So on that note, please, uh, let's all thank Lloyd
0: Braun for joining us on Legally Street. You've been listening to a podcast by University of California Television. For more information about this program or UCTV, visit us online at uctv.tv.